Got your fork ready? Hey, it's a piece of cake. Stories of community, culture, and a whole lot of food from Kihuan. With your hosts, Mona Ivan and Sarah Campen. Hey, my friend. Good to talk to you. Hey, Sarah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to A Piece of Cake. Where we talk about our community, our culture, and the people of Cake, Alaska. Yeah, I'm so excited to be starting this project with you. We're going to be um, sharing stories and interviews and talking about cultural and traditional harvesting, um, food preparation, uh, memories of community. I think it'll be really great. I agree. I would also like to mention that we will be also talking about artists, um, the cultural art, as well as the the emerging artists um, of Southeast, as well as some that are from Cake. And also, too, an important thing, um, you know, we're hoping to share stories um, and experiences from people who've lived them and are telling them to us. And so we don't, you know, we apologize in advance if we accidentally misrepresent anything that was told to us. Yes, thank you for saying that. I agree. Um, any any mistakes are ours alone. And we, like Sarah said, we apologize in advance if um, if there's any misinterpretation and we do not intend any harm at all in any way with this information from this podcast. Well, maybe we should um, start with introducing ourselves a little bit more. Mona, could you just introduce yourself? Yes, thank you. My name is Mona Ivan. I am the daughter, the only child, the brat of Cheryl Ivan. And my grandparents that I grew up with in Cake were Tommy Jackson Sr. and Mona Jackson. Um I was privileged enough to live in the house that my grandparents built and go uh, I lived here all through my um, grade school, high school years, and I've lived in Cake for 35 out of my 50 years. So um, my grandfather was full Clinkett. My grandmother was full Haida from Haida Gwaii. Um, my mother was, you know, half Clinkett, half Haida. And my father was Gabriel Ivan from Marshall, Alaska, which was up north, much further north. And oddly enough, they met in Oklahoma. Um, they met at Haskell. So when they went to college, yeah. So he is half Yupik, half Nupiak. So in the Western world, I am one quarter Clinket, quarter Haida, quarter Yupik, quarter Nupiak. I currently work for the Organized Village of Cake, and my main role 
out of the many, my main role is the higher education coordinator. I work with our students who are continuing their education past high school, be it college, be it um, technical school, what what whichever way they are continuing their education, we help provide some funding in the form of a scholarship to help them along that path in the hopes that our youth will find a profession or skill that when they're ready, they can return to our community and um, help expand our knowledge base here. And we should say too that um, Organized Village of Cake um, is helping to support this podcast project. Their support's been an important part of this project. Um, I'll just introduce myself too. My name is Sarah Campen, and um, I grew up in Sitka. My parents are uh, Brenda Campen and Gary Campen, and my mom. Um, came from upstate New York, far rural upstate New York, dairy farming country up there. Um, I'm from a long line of farmers on that side of my family. And my dad, um, his family is from California. And then before that, um, my on my dad's the family, um, we immigrated from Germany. And then on my mom's side of the family, um, we're German and Danish as well. So I'm, I'm mostly German and then also some Danish. And my parents came to Alaska in the 70s. They both came to be teachers and they actually met in Caltech. Um, and so I was born in Fairbanks and then uh, grew up in Sitka where my mom taught at Mount Edgecombe High School for a long time. Um, so yeah, I spent my whole childhood in Sitka and also um, outside Angoon on Killisnew Island. Um, we would live there in the summers. So now I live on Tasta or Lemajer Island in the middle of Icy Street, which is between Huna and Gustavus and Elfin Cove. So I'm a little bit north of Mona, but still in the same zone, which is in Huna territory in Hunakawu here in Icy Street. When did we meet? How how did we get to know each other? Oh my goodness. You were here in town. I'm going to say it was over 10 years ago now. Was it? Yeah. I think so. It was like off and on because you weren't here consistently. And then I saw you on a random dock in Juneau. What was I doing? <laughs> 2016 canoe journey. We finally got to Juno after was a four, five, five, six days. And I was walking down the dock and I saw this tall lady coming at me. 
And we both like looked at each other real suspicious. And then Kablam, you were like, Mona? And I'm like, Sarah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so right. <laughs> I think that's totally right. That's when our friendship really took off. But I think, too, there was these earlier times where I got to know your mom. Of course. Cheryl, mm-hmm. when you worked um when she was still alive and worked for OBK mm-hmm. and I just really fell in love with her. And I used to love when I would be in town to visit and doing some work that I was doing at the time, I would just go and hang out in her office and just, just hang out with her for a little while. she was always so nice. She let me hang around. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I believe it. So I feel like from then, you know, I already knew that that we should be friends. <laughs> Agreed. Well, um, for, you know, the listening audience, maybe we should just give an introduction to where cake is and, and what we're talking about. <laughs> Could you talk about, um, first of all, just where cake is? I am talking to you from the Kihuan Territory in Alaska. Kihuan, also known as Cake. On the map uh, of Alaska, it's called the Southeast Panhandle. And it's literally in the middle of that panhandle. It is also... 99 miles southeast of our state capital, which is Juneau, Alaska. So it's an island. It's The island is called Kupernoff. And on the northern, northwestern tip of the island is where Cake is located. How many people live in Cake these days? I believe we are looking at about 500 people, which is kind of uh, a bit low. We've had populations that range from about 385, 385 to 800 at different times. Our population varies because of the lack of job opportunities. We had a population boom back in the 1970s and 80s as well, because the main industry in cake in the 70s and 80s was logging. And we had a logging camp here. So we had a lot of people working here then. we Back then, we also had um, a large fishing fleet. Fishing used to be a very big industry here. And in recent years, both of those industries have declined. So now we have only two main boats here. We have a we have a smaller fleet. They call it the Mosquito Fleet, which is which is awesome. Which are more individual people who have their own smaller boats. These are not big sane boats that um that go out and get thousands of fish. No, we have individual people who have their own individual boats. And of course, logging, the logging industry has declined. Um, Right now we are 
in the middle of regrowing what was taken back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Cake, uh, a small community, an island community. And it's also mostly an indigenous community. You know, I maybe Mona, you could help me with the exact demographic breakdown, but I believe it's um, mostly Clinket and then um, some Haida folks and Simshian folks as well, um, Caucasian folks, Filipino folks, and I'm sure I'm missing some. Well, um, yes, you're correct. This is um, mainly an indigenous population. The uh, this is um, Clinket land, the the area Clinket area. The majority of the culture here is Clinket. With Haida, um, you're correct. We have some Simpson, Filipino, Caucasian. And that's about it, really. And of, of course, the smattering of um, uh, Ubiquinubiak, Aleut. Athabascan. Athabascan, correct. Yeah. Um, can I ask you a little bit more about what it was like to grow up in Cake? You know, I mean, of, of course, I have my own experience growing up in Sitka, but Sitka is a larger community. Um, you know, it's about 9,000 people also an island community, but definitely a little bit larger. Um, so yeah, what what mm-hmm. was it like growing up as a kid? It was very interesting. <laughs> it was a very good time. Um, like I said, I grew up in my grandparents' house. Um, my grandparents had 11 kids. That means when I was growing up, I had nine cousins that were around the same age within a year ahead or a year behind. My grandfather had 13 brothers and sisters and they had kids. So our first and second and third cousins were all just cousins. And then So my mom's brothers and sisters, they were, we were raised as brothers and sisters. That's the dynamic that we had back then. So, but I was raised in this house that my grandfather built for all his children. The the trouble is by the time this house was built, most of his children had families of their own and moved out. So I ended up in an 11-bedroom house, 11 bedrooms, two bathrooms, with my grandparents, one uncle, and my mother and me. (laughs) So this has been fun. But growing up here, it was, like I mentioned, the logging industry was happening in the 70s and 80s. And we had an awesome fishing industry back then. We had cannery. We have a cannery here, which oddly enough, caveat, is now a a national historic landmark. But yeah, we had um, the fishing industry and the logging industry. So we had we had quite a large population in in. Um, cake at the time which was anywhere from 800 to a thousand people especially during summers 
because we had a lot of um, seasonal workers that would come in, you know, hired by these big companies to come in and help process all all the um, the fish that that were being done. And of course, the loggers would come in from usually the lower forty eight because they were also seasonal. You you can't you can't cut trees in winter. It's just it's just not feasible or safe for anybody much less having passable roads. Anyway, so imagine we had a full-blown logging camp with maybe 50 families. Um, The fishermen and all these jobs happening locally. So we we had a good economy. We had um, a bustling, full of activity, lots of people. it was fun in my in my high school, my grade school class growing up, we had 16. And back then that was actually a lot for our community. And it's actually nowadays it is still one of the biggest classes in the community. Maybe to, to kind of wrap this up, um... When you look to the future, are there worries or fears that you have for cake? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the worries that I have for our community is we are kind of, I'm going to say we're, we're kind of in a transition moment and transition moments are, are pretty chaotic. Um, we're not in chaos, but we're kind of in a spot where we don't have a lot of industry and economic opportunity here for our local people. And with um, and this in this time, this age, right here, right now, we are still in a pandemic, and because of that, we don't we cannot provide a lot of economic opportunity for our community members, much less our, just our tribal members. Um, so we don't have a lot of long-term um, growth potential, job opportunities, um, anything that would be or provide a solid income for all of the families here, some of the families here, and we're going to talk about this at another time because there's so many different aspects to kick. You know, it's it's the same with any community, but one um one of the main employers here is our um school system, and those are teachers that have specific skills to be able, and they have to go to college. They they do all this to be able to to do what they do. We don't have a lot of people that are going to continue on their education to do exactly that in order to come back to be teachers. We have some, and they are they are awesome. We have some. We're trying to encourage more, um, but there there are so many different opportunities for kids, for our youth, to be able to go to school for these days, and they are they are expanding their horizons. Um, but having said that. There's not a lot of opportunity for them to come back and use those. So that's one of my worries is that 
there is going to be fewer people returning to Cake once they um, expand and continue on their education outside of Cake. Yeah, and then how to both create opportunities for them and um, how to support them. Yeah. yeah. How about hopes when you look towards the future? Um, What's a hope that you have for the community? So one of the hopes is that we keep our children culturally centered so that they have a solid foundation on which to build from. And when they continue to build and continue to grow, they will continue to flourish throughout their lives and be able to make progress in reaching out and expanding their horizons so that they can move forward in the world outside of cake. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it seems like it's also really tied to, you know, that the, the, hopes and the fears are tied together i mean i i do hope that um that this podcast can in some way provide some of that support of cultural centering and understanding that's one of the things that i'm hopeful for with this project i agree and one of the one of the steps in moving forward while maintaining our space is doing things like this, doing a podcast, recording our histories where we can. Unfortunately, we are losing elders. Every elder we lose is a treasured opportunity and a treasured history that is lost. I know it's hard for some cultures to record their histories because Ours, ours, our, the Clinket culture that I grew up in is oral. All of our history is oral, passed on traditionally. But not everyone gets the opportunity to hear those stories. So we need to take time, make time to do things that will help preserve our cultures. If it includes making a podcast, sharing it with people, there's so many different aspects that people think about legally. Um, We don't want people to take advantage of different things. We don't want other people representing themselves as us when they're not. Um, But we we have to weigh all those concerns with losing our history if we do not take steps to preserve it in whatever way we can. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's such a complicated topic that I, you know, I hope we can talk about more later that, that line and that border between how do we record and preserve and, and also how, um, to maintain ownership and keep what's sacred sacred. Yeah. Um, I also, I'm, I'm right there with you and hoping that this is a way to um, learn from elders and be able to record them. We've already gotten to do some interviews that have been so fun and just 
really, really wonderful and precious. And I'm really excited to share them with, um, with anybody listening. And I hope too, that, you know, there's such a diaspora of people, you know, Clinkett Haida, Simshian, people who have moved, um, from villages and smaller communities to Juneau, to Seattle, to Anchorage. And so I hope too, that this podcast can be a little taste of home for some of those people. Um, and that for people who are not as familiar with village life or with indigenous communities in Southeast, that this could be um, something of a, an entry point too, to learn more about how to connect to this place that, that we all love. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks so much. For listening. Thank you. Take care of yourself. We'll talk next time. A Piece of Cake is created and produced by Sarah Campen and Mona Ivan. Invaluable production assistance provided by Aaron McKinstry. Our theme music is Saike, the potlatch song, a Ravenside song performed by the Kihkwan dancers. Our beautiful logo was made for us by Simshian artist Abel Ryan. The podcast is made possible by support from the Margaret Franz Brady Fund and the Organized Village of Cake. This project began as a seed of an idea back in 2018, and in this inaugural episode, I wanted to send out a special Gunoschish to so many people who have breathed life into this project and helped it enter the world. I started off as a total novice at recording and editing, and so many people were incredibly generous with their time, with their advice, and with their belief in what Mona and I wanted to create. Special thanks to Bob Christensen, Don Jackson, Rasha McChesney, Pat Race, Cheryl Levitt-Snyder, Oren Pearson, Zoe Gruskin, Maika Nix, Mandy Malat, Jamie Waste, and Jeff Brady. Gunos Chish and how ah.